This podcast is sponsored by Tenovos.com. Tenovos.com handpick the best Christian books that point to Jesus and sell them at discounted prices. You'll have heard us mention Nancy Guthrie's Praying For You and Even Better Than Eden books. You can grab them at Tenovos.com. I was with Nancy this last weekend at a biblical theology workshop here in the States, and she mentioned that one was happening in London on the 28th of May. If you happen to live in London, get yourself along to this fantastic few hours where you'll be tracing through the themes of the Bible and understanding how to read Bible passages in context. Really great use of time. We'll link to it in our show notes. Welcome to Two Sisters and a Cup of Tea. My name is Sarah and I live in the UK, and this is my sister Felicity, and she lives in the States. Hi Felicity, um, we're on the penultimate episode of season four. What's um, what's the biscuit of choice for such such a moment? Well, I did think that actually, and it is a moment in my biscuit cupboard as well because this is my last packet of biscuits. Mm. Thankfully, it's a classic, classy chocolate hobnob. No oh. frills, no funny flavours in there, just straight up hobnob to go with my teapot brewed Yorkshire tea. Which very nice. I think it actually does make a difference if it's yeah. brewed in a teapot. Yeah, I do love a teapot. I've been really enjoying getting my teapot out more recently, actually, with um, different groups around our home. It's good. The teapot is good. Um, I think you're right about the biscuit. I feel like we've kind of forayed into this um, foreign McBitty's world this season and tried some different um, slants on the digestive hobnob. And whilst, you know, it's been an interesting experiment, I yeah, I think you're right to go for just that. I know, I think... I think that's it. It's an experiment, which was interesting to do, but mm. it's staying in, fact, in the experiment. I've got, I've got two packets left of biscuits in my cupboard, but I don't really want to open them. One's like <laughs> lemon chocolate flavour digestive and one's oh. strawberry. And I think, oh. why do I even buy them? Fruit and chocolate. I'm just not a fan of that. Mm, I, one of the best, actually, I think, was the mince pie flavoured digestive. I think that was the most convincing of these experimental choices. Oh, yeah, I didn't try that one. Yeah. Mm, unlucky. Oh, well. Um, so on the final stretch, we're in the last bit of John chapter five today. And um, we have got one more episode coming next week. Um, but this is this is it. We've kind of reached the end of this first five chapters of John. How's it I feeling? Know, it feels, I mean, I feel like it's been a joy to be encountering Jesus so up close and personal. And it feels mm. very sad to kind of walk away. And I appreciate we're not walking away from Jesus. <laughs> but as we, you know, <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't. <laughs> as we rest, John, for a bit, maybe to come back to him. But uh, it's been it's been great, hasn't it? So, yeah. And the passage this week, as ever, hard hitting, every sentence. <laughs> yeah, it really hits hard. Let's get into it. Do you want to read it for us? And then we'll um, walk through it. Sure. Okay. So it's chapter five verses 31 through to 47. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favour and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You've never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. 
I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my father's name and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the father. Your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Thank you. Um, yeah, this is this is a big end to the chapter, isn't it? So um, just the context of what we were seeing last time, this is now he's speaking to the Jewish leaders. Um, they've been questioning him about um, his work on the Sabbath, haven't they? And also his claim to be equal with God the Father. And mm. we kind of walked through that last week, didn't we, in terms of how he responded they're definitely, yeah, they're definitely in a position of persecution towards him, aren't they? This is kind of, it's ramping yeah. up. There's antagonism all over yeah. it. Yeah. And so this is then his kind of response, really, isn't it? Yeah. And it is It is interesting, even if you were just to do the classic, you know, check what the repeated words are, you do mm-hmm. see in those first three paragraphs, testimony and testify comes up so many times, doesn't it? So it makes you think, well, this is the evidence. This is the testimony to who Jesus is. That's kind of where John's been going all the way through, hasn't it? Like, well, this is who Jesus is, this is who Jesus is. And I, f- I feel like as we have hit chapter five, then the shift has been, this is who Jesus is, and this is the opposition to Jesus. Like, this is what the mm-hmm. the kind of the, the leaders, the religious police as such, are thinking about Jesus. That seems to be yeah. in the spotlight, doesn't it? But before we get, don't get there yet, before we get onto that and onto them, um, I mean, isn't it just astounding to just like be reminded by Jesus how weighty the testimony is towards him? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if I testify about about myself, my testimony is not true. That's just quite a statement in itself. Like, Mm. so then he's sort of saying there's actually more to this than just what I say. And this is Jesus himself saying, I'm going to give you more. That's so gracious, isn't it? To give you more than just me standing here saying these things and I love that actually he points to John the Baptist as his first yeah. but he says he doesn't need like that he then says in verse 34 he doesn't accept human testimony as mm. he I think he's kind of getting it he doesn't need it because he he is God revealed like he doesn't need human testimony but I love that then he says but I mention it so that you may be saved like his compassion for his people is such that like he's mentioning this testimony around him so that they may be saved, which is mm. extraordinary in the light of them starting to edge their way towards wanting to persecute and kill him. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think it's it's easy to, to think, I guess, because John the Baptist, he, he only gets a short little kind of spotlight in the Gospels, doesn't he? But mm. actually remembering that he was a really big deal. Like, and when they when he says, you have sent to John, that is like the religious elite of Jerusalem have sent to, they, that John is such a big deal that they are listening to John. Like, and people did listen to John. Everyone was emptying out of Judea to come and listen to John. So his testimony is no light thing. Yeah. And yeah, but he says yeah. that's, that was just a lamp that burned and gave light. And you chose and for a time yeah, to, yeah. Yeah, and just for a while. And then he says, I had testimony weightier than that of John, which is a big deal to say that, isn't it? As he's saying, like, John was a big deal. Like, he was attracting a lot of attention. He was, like, one of the Old Testament prophets, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then, he, but Jesus is saying here, well, I've got testimony weightier because the works that I've been doing and that you're seeing, like, you're seeing it in front of your very eyes. 
like this is it <laughs> yeah and and so immediate isn't it because we've just seen the paralytic being healed at the pool and then if you know you go back even just a few sentences and you've got um, the official son so it, there, there's so much evidence like the, the works that Jesus is doing there's very little conclusion you can come to about that apart from he is God because he's giving life isn't he like who does that apart from God and I feel like then even even just these people who are standing before him, they're seeing that and they're hearing John the Baptist. And then, you know, we've touched on the Old Testament kind of references all the way through this, all mm-hmm. these names that are being um, given to Jesus. They, they're the experts in that. So there's yeah. all of this evidence is stacking up. Well, yeah, as he says to them, you study the scriptures diligently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, yeah, he's he calls on the scriptures and he calls on Moses in terms of like, you should know, you should, you know, the puzzle pieces are all here for you to see. Yeah. And yet you're missing the heart of what all of this points to, which is Jesus. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? When he says in verse 37, you have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you for you do not believe the one he sent. And I think that is the crux of the matter, isn't it? Because it's not actually about the testimony and the evidence is about their lack of belief. And without belief, without a heart that's willing to trust Jesus, then any load of evidence is not going to be sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. The evidence is not the problem, is it? So in verse 40, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. That like the word refuse is just mm. it's a very loaded kind of word, isn't it? Like it's not a just, it's not a sitting on the fence. It's not a kind of just meandering about. It's refusing to come, like a toddler refuses to come. Yeah, like him, knowingly. Like there's a there's a, a, a yeah. yeah a knowing a defiance there, isn't there? Yeah, um, absolutely. And there and I think like that kind of refusing to to come to him to have life and that kind of bring for me that brought back the kind of John chapter twenty verse thirty one like John's purpose statement in writing um, that you would have life in his name, like he's written all this so that you'd have life because that's at the heart of what Jesus is offering, but it's got to be through Jesus and they're not willing. They're not like, as you say, it's the heart that's not willing to come to Jesus for that life. Yeah. Is it worth just pausing here and just like considering actually the testimony is weighty Mm. and it is true and it is valid and we can trust the evidence for who Jesus is. And wherever our heart is at, actually just to objectively see that the evidence for Jesus' identity is really strong. And I, I find that really reassuring because mm-hmm. I, I, there's something about other people rejecting Jesus, which can just just unsettle me a bit, I think, especially people I know or people who I think are very clever, or, you know, that kind of thing. And I just think it, this has been helpful to me as I've heard the testimony, 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 I know Jesus really is who he said he is. And and I can trust that and I can stake everything on that. Yeah, I think we need it, don't we? We need the reminder of what we're reading and what we're believing, who we're believing in. And we need the reminder of the weightiness of the testimony behind him, don't we? Mm. And as you say, like it can really unsettle us. Like, you know, if we, yeah, of course, I mean, you know, a number of us will have friends who walked away from the Lord or we see those kind of big public stories of that happening. And I think just, yeah, we come back to this, don't we? We come back to the weight of testimony and, and also that, the, the, yeah, 
at the at the heart of it is the is the heart response to that testament, isn't it? I think that's it because the question that's raised is then: so why, <laughs> like, why are you rejecting yeah. Jesus? That why are these people in opposition to Jesus? And in fact, why is anyone in opposition to Jesus? I think the next sort of forty one to forty seven does give us quite a sobering picture of why, doesn't doesn't it? Yeah, so I think he's really he's really straight up, isn't he? He says, I know you, I know that you don't have the love of God in your hearts. So whilst they might be studying the scriptures diligently, there's no love there. There's yeah. no love for the Lord. Um, and they don't accept Jesus. And yeah, and thirty I think what really struck out struck out, what really stuck <laughs> out for me um was verse 44, which feels like the kind of climax of his argument against them, saying, How can you believe? since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. And I think that, like, yeah, that for me looked like the kind of big heart issue behind the unbelief was self-glory. Seeking glory from others, seeking approval from others, seeking to be built up in an echo chamber and not seeking glory, the glory of God. Which is which is interesting, isn't it? Because the glory of God, as described throughout the, all the scriptures that have been studied diligently, far surpasses any glory that any human can give. And yeah. Jesus himself has said that. But I think it is it, like it, it is a, in order for them to accept Jesus and to trust Jesus and to acknowledge that he is who he is, that requires an upturning. Like everything needs to be turned upside down. And at the moment, they are gloriously powerful in their own eyes and to then say that Jesus is king to say that he is God I can see how that really does turn things on its head and you're at risk of losing if you don't really think or if you're not quite sure that the glory of God is bigger in Jesus yeah you might just I mean and we saw that in Nicodemus didn't we we saw Mm. that he he didn't come questioning in the open daylight even questioning at night, like he's, you know, he was one of these guys questioning, thinking through, like wrestling with what he was seeing before him and the scriptures that he knew. And wonderfully, you read on in John's gospel and it seems that Nicodemus chose the glory of God over the glory of God. Mm. And it's wonderful to see, isn't it? But like, this is, this is the battle. This is the battle of the heart. And I think where, I don't know, I feel so convicted by this, but I think we were chatting earlier, just the importance of, um, whilst we need to kind of recognize ourselves in the Pharisees at this point, we're also, if we're trusting in Jesus, we're not in the same position that they are right now. By God's extraordinary grace, we sit in a different position to them. Yes. Would you say? Yes. Thank the Lord we do. Because I think it is one of those, isn't it, where we can read this. And at the same time, I feel like at the same time I'm going, Pharisees, you idiots. Like, come on. Yeah. It's so obvious. Yeah. But then the other side of me is like, oh, but self-glory, that is something that I'm pulled towards, we wrestle tempted with. towards. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it's really, really helpful to just remember that we are in Christ. We have rested in him. He, We have life through him. But then as we read something like this, then we are also called to have a repentant heart and to, and to fight the fight against this yeah. particular temptation. And I, I think it's helpful to see that this is a deadly obstacle. Like self-glory and running after that can be a deadly obstacle. That is the reason why these guys are not running to Jesus. And it's so, why they're not having eternal life, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's Yeah, it's depriving them of that. So for us, as those in Jesus, it's not deadly in that our sin has been dealt with. 
Yeah. But we want to just be aware that it's dangerous. This is a dangerous thing, isn't it? To, to begin to want our glory over God's glory. Yeah. And I think it's just a helpful checkpoint on our hearts, isn't it? As you say, it is, it is a dangerous thing. And actually just, yeah, I just wonder whether we don't ask ourselves enough, like actually where am I seeking self-glory over yeah. God's glory in this moment, yeah, whether it's yeah. posting something on Instagram or whether it's um, the way that I'm talking about myself or others or whether it's the way I'm seeking approval from others, which is what these guys were doing um, in their religiousness or in just life in general. Like mm. just, yeah, just it's just such a, it's a healthy thing to check our hearts on this, isn't it? And just to kind of, I think for me, just another kind of wake up of like, oh this feels this feels hard on my heart but extraordinarily I am in Christ and I see my heart and I see that I need to run to the cross and in John's gospel the cross is the is the kind of epitome of God's glory Mm. and so that's where we run and we trust that he will do that work in our hearts to put to death self-glory yeah yeah And, and interestingly even in talking about it even in acknowledging that and wanting to push one another to run to the cross we are giving god glory in that yeah that's that's a joyous thing isn't it because (laughs) in the pain of the battle then actually we 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 point to jesus in that i think uh one of the kind of questions on this is maybe um are we seeking others are we seeking to do things in front of others more than we're seeking to do things in front of god so god sees everything and our ordinary faithfulness is is bringing him glory is is for him and just, I think that's been a helpful check on my heart as I've been thinking about it this week, actually. Big time. And b- big time for both of us. Like, come on, we're recording our conversation. I know. <laughs> I, know. I mean, we are, we're we like are in public. We're aware of this, aren't we? Like we, we talk about this, we pray about this so much because we're so keenly aware of the battle on for our hearts in this and our decision mm. to record our conversations and what that looks like for us and we do cover people's prayers for that don't we like we, yes yes we really appreciate people's prayers because this I feel yeah I feel this battle keenly when it comes to pressing record yeah yeah ah and so we pray and so we pray do you want to pray for us now Sarah pray for us all in this yeah, I'd love to Our Father, we just thank you so much that we come to you knowing that we need your grace, knowing that we need that cross. We need to stand at the foot of the cross each and every day and be shaped by your love first and foremost. And so as we bring our hearts to you with conviction of sin and with with the battles that we face um, in seeking self-glory rather than your glory, we thank you that we can come. We thank you that we can draw near. We thank you that there is no sin that has not been dealt with on that cross. And we thank you that as we come to the end of um, chapter five and the end of our kind of section in John's gospel, we thank you that you've given us a rich view of Jesus and a rich view of his wonderful, extraordinary, glorious love and life-giving mission. And we just praise you so much for the, for the joy it is to dwell on his name and to dwell on him. And um, we thank you that in him we have life. Amen. Amen. So last one in chapter yeah. five, but what we're going to, we have one more episode where we're going to reflect back 
on chapters one through to five. And we have a guest who's going to help us do that. We've got Dane Ortland, who wrote Gentle and Lowly. He's just about to release a new book called Surprised by Jesus. And we're going to get him talking about that and reflecting with us on chapters one through to five. Yeah, which I'm really looking forward to. We've we've been enjoying his book, haven't we? And we're um, really looking forward to talking to him and kind of just, yeah, bringing out some of the big themes that we've seen. Um, We try and review at the end of each season, don't we? Um, And I think it's just a really helpful discipline to kind of actually stop and reflect and look back on what we've kind of seen over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. Without moving on too quickly. I think that's really helpful. Yeah, exactly. Um, So we look forward to that. Um, there'll be questions in the show notes as ever, along with the link to that biblical theology workshop that Felicity mentioned. Um, and of course, do sign up to our newsletter. That's where we kind of plough in our energies um, during the month, really. Um, and that kind of links to other things we're dwelling on um, from John's Gospel as well. And um, we look forward to seeing you next week. Absolutely. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode. It's sponsored by tenofthose.com. Check them out for great discounted resources that point to Jesus.